are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 25th of May, a rewatch of Game 1, a six-man award given out. And Donovan Mitchell will return. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. Thanks very much for tuning in. Locked on Grizzlies, Sean Coleman will join me tomorrow. We'll do a little crossover episode for you and see uh, what what we get from their perspective. Sean does a nice job with them. Today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Tell them lock on, Locked On sent you. All right, I rewatched. I had espresso in game film this morning to start the day. I rewatched the... Uh, game, first three quarters have not watched the fourth when we got hot, uh, yet we'll do that later, uh, and see if there's something there. It was a really actually interesting experience and I'll get to it, have some strong takeaways for you on it. Um, a lot of credit to the Grizzlies, frankly. Uh, and then, uh, but first let's start with the sixth man of the year award going to Jordan Clarkson. Uh, it's a great story, really. Um, on, on multiple levels, it's a great story. So one, the way they gave it away, um, you know, particularly cool, um, when, you know, you basically, uh, with Jordan, with Joe giving it to Jordan and, uh, having that interaction there, those two are, are crazy close, uh, which I think tells you a lot about Jordan. You know, Jordan's a little bit of a chameleon or a renaissance man or however you want to refer to it. He, like, he just can bounce from group to group. Uh, we could probably play Dr. Phil. And, you know, he's a unique mix. His mom's Filipino. His dad's black. He's grew up in a, a tougher part of San Antonio. He's had, he's got this music vibe to him now that he's kind of picked up along the way. Um, so, really an interesting person. He can... You know, hold a deep conversation with Quinn Snyder, probably um, sit in the corner of a room by himself, play some tunes, hang with Joe Ingles, and chill at a nightclub in L.A. Like, I mean, the guy can really... And then also, I think, from what I've heard, he kind of likes to get out and get out into nature and, like, unplugs for an extended period of time at points. I mean, he's just a really, really interesting dude uh, as a person. He's had a career in which he played on awful teams early and got labeled as kind of a one-dimensional inefficient scorer who doesn't help you win he had a uh, that only got further accentuated when he had a terrible playoff series to the Cleveland Cavaliers on their NBA finals run and ended up getting getting uh benched after shooting I think it was you know 30 percent in the in the series uh and then not only playing two of the NBA Finals games. I don't think he played games. He might have, must have played game seven. Got benched somewhere in that Boston series. Before that, I think he shot about 30% in the sweep against Toronto. Really struggled. 
Um, then Cleveland becomes terrible again, and he's back on an awful team. I mean, when we're talking about awful teams, we're talking about awful teams. Like, that's Jordan Clarkson's opening years. They won 21 games, 17 games, 26 games. I mean, brutal, brutal. Um, I think he gets traded then halfway through the 17-18 season. So he he gets he has brutal teams. And Byron Scott may not have been, you know, the greatest coach. And then Luke Walton tells him he's coming off the bench. And he talked about this, that he, he thought that was a grand insult. So it's taken him, you know, a little while to figure this out. And then he finds Quinn Snyder. And the two of them just have this amazing connection. Um, and he fi- gets this ultimate freedom on how to play. So uh, it's a great story. Uh, Joe actually came in second, who um, I actually would have voted for probably because I, even though he started a bunch of games, I just thought his efficiency and his three-point shooting was through the roof this year uh, and, and had a huge impact. But it's pretty hard to deny uh, what Jordan did for us, averaging 18 points a game, uh, leading the NBA and scoring off the bench. Uh, ironically, or un- unfortunately, I actually think the worst game I've ever seen him play was game one of the playoffs. Uh it was the first half of that Golden State game when he was not making shots and not very good, then followed by that incredible second half. And and as I rewatched the first half, truthfully, that's that is probably the worst game I've I've ever seen Jordan play. Um so he'll I'm sure he'll bounce back because that was such a out of body I mean, I literally wrote down in my notes, Clarkson is having an out of body experience opposite of his usual out of body experience. So kind of a funky game one. Uh, for him. All right, we'll touch on the uh, uh, my game film in a second. Uh, the other, obviously, huge story is that Donovan's going to play. Uh, this has been unusual. It's uh, there's no denying that there's not. It's not very often that a a player comes off an injured list, holds a media session saying he's fine, he's feeling no pain, he's ready to go. Then a few hours later, it um, is announced that he is not playing. Uh, and, you know, you heard Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley talk about waking up from their nap and having him finding out that Donovan's not going. I I, I, I was super impressed with Memphis when watching this game film. So I, I, not that they care what I say, but just for my own well-being, I'm not trying to take anything away from them. It had to have an impact. It just had to have an impact. Um, I, I don't, you know, it's hard to watch, uh, you know, frankly, Joe and, and Jordan and George Niang were George wasn't making shots, but we're just kind of out of it. Um, when you watch the game film in a way that you don't see very often, Joe was non impactful for extended periods of time. Um, and some of that is that when Donovan's off the floor, there's so much more attention. You can go other guys, other things. I just think that whole circumstance was super strange. And, you know, Donovan, held a press conference yesterday and didn't hide it at all. Like he was pissed and he said it. And you know, if he's that mad about it 24 hours later, I, I'm sure he wasn't that quiet about it one hour later. And so it just, that was a bad environment to play game one. It's just too bad. Uh, let's hope it doesn't come back to bite us. So we find a rhythm. I, I, I don't think we are as, as poor in that game re-watching it as I, as I think a lot of people do, thought maybe. Um, I frankly thought the Grizzlies just had great fortitude and deserve immense credit. Uh, but it, yeah, and Donovan was, you know, Donovan didn't hide much yesterday in his media session uh, about what took place. The Jazz medical staff um, decided Donovan wasn't ready to go. And uh, Donovan had some, 
you know, I was frustrated and upset I couldn't play. I felt like I was ready to go. This isn't how it happened. That isn't how it happened. The biggest thing we need to do is move forward. That was his primary message. I was ready to go, and the staff didn't think I was ready to go. Uh, staff being medical staff, I was ready to get out there and compete. The biggest thing for me is I felt like I should have played. It's no secret. We all know that. The frustration was it was unfair to my team. It eats me up. I barely slept. Uh, that's where it hurt. Uh, you know, I spoke to my guys. We all spoke. We are all good. Um, you know, he, I give Don, Donovan's always a straight shooter, and that was a straight shooter. And clearly, you know, no one's doing anything that they think is wrong. Um, so I, I, I don't, you know. I don't know how to. I don't know enough, or or want to uh, have or have an answer for you on how things are supposed to take place or what took place. I don't know. I'm not trying to duck it. Uh, I just simply don't know, um, and so I'm not going to speculate on things. I mean, the medical staff is always a really interesting circumstance, right? Because you know you've got a medical staff that's hired by a team, and they're supposed to keep players healthy, and yet they're always being you know pulled in a thousand different directions with you know what the the wants and desires of a coach the wants of a tire of a general manager the wants and desires of a player the wants and desires of a player's agent the wants and desires of whatever and so you know you always try to have your medical team be as independent as possible the nfl's been dealing with this forever with all the concussions right that they they have to try to you, you know that the head coach has got seemingly an outside uh you know wants to win that game on that day. So he wants the kid passed out of the concussion test so that he can get through it. And now you have to try to have these independent people to be able to judge it the best you can. It's it, medical stuff is very, very complicated. Um, and so, you know, and this one obviously went um, in a, in a different direction um, than I've seen before or that we would have liked. And let's just hope that it's not some, uh, you know, lingering, um, frustration for Donovan uh, or the or the franchise so but he's gonna play like I loved it Sarah Todd asked the great questions uh, in fact uh, tip of the hat to my you know the, the fellow members on the zoom media the members on the fellow people on the zoom of the media who I, I thought have asked really you know good questions over the last few days to find out the best they can of what's taking place and you know I don't have you know great insight on this so it's certainly interesting uh, was to hear it. I thought they, you know, they they all did a nice job on that. So tip of the hat to them. But Sarah Todd asked the great question, which was, um, you know, you we, at this point the other day we thought you were going to play. Is there any chance this could rehappen happen again? Nope. So that's a good sign. All right, rewatch the game. I'll bring that to you next. Uh, I'm having a cool experience. I'm driving the Elantra, and it's the North American Car of the Year. And I don't know if, what you guys are. Uh, kind of think when you see those car awards, I, I, I'm i not a big car guy. I never know what they really mean or this or that. And so Blake Murdoch said to me, hey, could you could you drive the, could you, this won the North American Car of the Year. I want you to check it out. $26,000 car uh, is the version I'm driving right now. It's absolutely terrific. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. We drove to Lehigh and back last night to have dinner with a, with a close friend. And the 42 or three miles to the gallon is pretty nice right now. Uh, the other one just is all of, of is incredible bells and whistles you get for it. I actually had to send kind of an embarrassing text to, to Blake the other day that said, hey, by the way, I, I kind of lost track of miles on this thing. I've just enjoyed driving it. Haven't thought for one second about ever wanting to give it in, uh, give it back, and I, I might be have driven it too far. It's just been great. 
So that's the North American car of the year. That's the Hyundai Elantra. The Sonata is the ni- little nicer or more expensive. I don't know if it's actually, I mean, it's really sweet. So it's probably, I guess, nicer, as they say. Um, sedan, and then the SUV lineup's fun. The Kona is the, sp- uh, the small little uh, jetty quick uh, in and out. And then the Tucson, the Santa Fe, which we've purchased twice in the beautiful Palisade. We had a new lockdown listener the other day uh, get a new lease on a Palisade. So congratulations. Uh, we set, I think it was Dennis. I think we set him up for that with uh, Jason over at Murray. So if you're going to head over there, please make sure you email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. Let me know you're heading over to the uh, to the Murdoch, any of the three locations. It was actually Dustin, not Derek. Uh, Dustin Duke. Doug Dull will be driving around in a new car in a Palisade, so congratulations. Um, and so feel free to just email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. Today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. Why go to a brick-and-mortar store and pay more? Why not have the better selection, lower prices, and the same prices for do-it-yourselfers as you get for a professional don't spend twice as much on the same part you can get online you have the internet and it arrives pretty darn quickly go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on the how'd you hear about a section so they know who sent you you'll be amazed with rock auto it's amazing selection reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need it's rockauto.com the catalog's unique Old school, remarkably easy to navigate. You quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. All the best prices, all the parts you need. It's at rockauto.com, a family-owned business for over 20 years. rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. All right, I rewatched the first three quarters. Um, I... I I try to rather chronology is is boring. So let me try to give you some takeaways. I did write a extensive Twitter thread at dlock09 on Twitter. If you want to follow it, I had some pictures um, and some things that I I saw. And I think it's about, I don't know, I'd have to look. I think it's about 12 or 14 tweets long, kind of of my rewatch of the game. So feel free to go uh, grab that at dlock09. Uh, you can listen along. And so the first thing is like on the very, very first play of the game, Dylan Brooks meets Joe Ingles at half court, body bumps him. Ingles puts his shoulder into him and Joe gets hit by Brooks and then he gets hit by Jonas and his first touch is 45 feet away from the basket on a play where he's probably supposed to get it at 30. And it's pretty representative of like how the Grizzlies came out to play. And I, I don't know if it's representative of how the Jazz, per se, came out to play. I didn't think the... I thought a bunch of Jazz guys had bad nights and were absent or had a bad night in a manner that we don't usually see. But um, but I um, but I would say that the, the Grizzlies... Came, I'll, I'll give the Grizzlies credit in that sense. They really came with a physical press, and Dylan Brooks really dominated this game. So Dylan Brooks comes in the first part of the game and is just top blocking and guarding Joe Ingles and he's Joe is not engaged in the game and doesn't get touches and doesn't get going. Then Jordan then Dylan Brooks comes in and guards Jordan Clarkson. And Jordan Clarkson's has the wor- as I said has the worst game I've ever seen him play. It's just an out of body strange weird Bad game. But it might stem back to the first three plays of his game of the game. 
He gets a catch and shoot. He misses. He drives and turns it over. He then gets stripped by Anderson, and then he fouls Brooks. Those are the first four plays that Jordan Clarkson's involved in. If there has been a signature to the greatness of Jordan Clarkson's season, it has been that like he's unconscious, doesn't get bothered by things, kind of plays to the next play all the time, double zero represents the not thinking, all of that. I, I don't think he achieved that on that night. I, I'm going to guess. I don't know. And again, you know, I'm not trying to, to belabor it, but this is one of those times where by this point of the season, I would have a good enough relationship with Jordan. I could just say, like, what's it like when you have that first tough four possessions and don't have a rhythm? How do you bounce through that? And he usually gets through it and did it feel differently. And I, I, I'll have to just guess that that was not the case. And I, I have to think that he... He just is just that knocked him out of sorts. Playoff game, a little more important. Hasn't played in a little while. Out of rhythm. And so I think that got him a little bit um, there. And and so, But that's also, give it to Dylan Brooks. And then when Mike Conley checks back in the game late in the second quarter, Conley's got 13 points. He's playing well. Dylan Brooks goes right to Mike Conley. That's when he headbutts him. And, you know, Mike ends up never gaining rhythm really back in the game, somewhat due to foul trouble. But just really, frankly, give Dylan Brooks just a blank load of credit. The guy came in as a second-round draft pick with a chip on his shoulder playing his first playoff game, and he was the dominating factor to the game. This might be an overgeneralization, and some of the Jazz players could probably say they think this is unfair. Um, and I would have to respect that. It looked to me as though the Jazz kind of found the Grizzlies annoying. Like, ah, stop it. Stop. Like, there's a little subtle moment where Morant gets a fast break layup. Joe Dylan Brooks runs with Morant. Morant finishes left. Joe Ingles is there. Joe kind of goes out of his way to, like, just hit Dylan Brooks with a little elbows. Brooks is coming the other way. In one sense, it's like, okay, you're trying to fight back and battle, and I can't, so you can say positive. On the other, it was just a little sign to me that you're off your game. Like, you're not in your game. You're after a turnover and a fast break layup by Morant, and it might have been off of a strip for, off Clarkson on that play. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, that that's what you're worrying about doing. You're worrying about kind of getting in Brooks's line to get, eh, to me, that just, you know, hey, I got it. You can you can go either way on that. Like, it's, I'm trying to establish our toughness, but it also, to me, just feels like they were annoyed. And there was a feeling, to me, that the Jazz, I thought, kind of thought they would hit their rhythm, have one of their spurts, and the Grizzlies would fade away. And to the Grizzlies' credit, it never happened. I, I actually really was super impressed by Memphis' ability to just make the next play. There are multiple times in the game where... And this is where I don't, watching the game film, it doesn't feel as bad. I'm obviously when you lose and you go down by the, it feels pretty bad. But it doesn't feel as bad to me watching the film. There's a bunch of times during the game where I see the Jazz making progress and things are kind of going, they've made some nice adjustments, they've done some things, and it it really actually feels like uh, they're about to get rolling and they don't. And so 
that to me is pretty encouraging for the series. Like the Jazz are up 29-17. They make two or three really nice little subtle adjustments where Memphis was pinning them on the sideline and the Jazz start running the the first pick and roll is a 1-4 pick and roll rather than a 1-5 pick and roll because the Grizzlies are switching one through four and they're dropping the on the five so that they get, now they get the switch, now the power forward's involved in the pick and roll and, they, and the Jazz now run another pick and roll with Gobert that opens some things up. It's a nice little subtle adjustment. They make that adjustment up 12 and it works and you just feel like things are going to work out and like it's going to go well. And there's a bunch of different stretches where that happens, where it feels like watching the game, the Jazz have made progress. The Conley comes back in the ballgame, hits Derek Favors for a dunk. Favors has got great lift. The, the, it's 60-59. to 59. The Jazz offense is starting to look better. The building's coming to its feet. That's then suddenly when Gobert and Conley both get in foul trouble and the game just fully farts, falls apart. That's where the Jazz lost the game. The Jazz are, are within 54-50. They've got the momentum. Both Conley and Gobert go out in foul trouble. And then the Jazz just, just fall apart. And, you know, Clarkson makes a poor pass to Joe for a bad three. He misses an off-the-bounce three. He misses a catch-and-shoot three. He's not supposed to make all of them. He's just supposed to make at least one. Brooks gets going. Anderson steals it from Boyan. All the problems here to me is that Joe's not touching the ball at all in this sequence because he should be the point guard. And, and they end up... Um, and now, now you're down 11, and you're fighting this uphill battle. They they kind of cut it back. They make it good. But again, every time they cut it back, Memphis makes another play, which was super, super impressive um, from Memphis in this game. And that, to me, uh, it really it really was, was super impressive. Uh, so, so the big picture takeaway, I don't know if I'm being clear on this, is I, I actually thought the Jazz really played well. Did some things well and had a bunch of things going in their direction and had a bunch of momentum. And to Memphis's credit, they they just kept fighting and stayed in it. To the Jazz discredit, I'm not sure that the, the, I think the Jazz thought they would be able to get through it. Right, that overgeneralization of almost being annoyed that hey, if we just keep at this in our way rather than matching and taking the game from them. And that would be the only thing that to me. Now, Dylan Brooks was unbelievable both offensively and defensively and had a, had an amazing day. And a lot of the problems, frankly, stemmed to no Donovan, right? Like when Conley and Gobert go out of the game, you don't have Donovan, that's a really big problem. The the seek, There's a sequence in the game that befuddles me in, in one way more than any other. And I'll, I'll get to that next. And I, I'm not sure what happened here or why it happened. Um... But uh, it, 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 there's a definite, like, um, there's a sequence that has me a little per, perplexed. And I, again, it'll stem back to not having Donovan, Donovan but we'll, uh, I'll share that with you uh, coming up. Uh, Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck is really what they're kind of saying. Researched and developed for three years to make made for people, not for patients. Lucy has created nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, pomegranate. They also have lozenges with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, cherry, ice, citrus, and mint. Lucy lozenges and gums are FSA and HSA eligible. So you can use your FSA cards to purchase Lucy now. It's convenient and discreet. Products can be enjoyed anywhere on flights at work on the go or even 
in the gym. It's 2021. Get rid of your cigarettes. Unplug your vape. Throw out your dip. Get Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. This is the real deal. Lucy subscription comes directly to your door each month. It's so simple. You don't have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down. Lucy lozenges and gums are also FSA and HSA eligible, as I mentioned. Locked on NBA Network listeners. Go to lucy.co.co, lucy.co, and use the promo code Locked On NBA to get 20% off all products in your first order, including gums or lozenges. That's lucy.co and use the promo code locked on MBA at checkout. Warning this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Today's show is also brought to you by our good friends at betonline.ag. Some of the lines swung on opening night. Do you guys see that? Uh, do you follow that? I. I love following it because I think it tells like such a story on what's taking place. So some of the um, early lines just after game one kind of swung one way or the other, which, you know, was a little surprising um, to me. Uh, the Jazz actually, interestingly, did not move at all at betonline.ag. Um, so that was the, um, that was the, that one kind of jumped out to me. Um, a little bit it was that that the Jazz didn't where the Lakers did change. Um, I think the Clippers was the one who took the biggest drop of anyone when they were looking at the lines, saying that the um that they absolutely uh that they that that loss bothered the fa- everybody on that. So um, anyway, you can kind of you can go check it out. It's kind of an interesting. I always like the. It's a good way to kind of keep track of what every what everybody's saying. It's at BetOnline.ag. If you want to play on any of the games, uh, you can use the promo code LockedOn and get fifty percent welcome bonus back. All the baseball games. Jake Arrieta is on the mound today for the for the Cubs. If you're a Cubs fan, by the way, we have a new Locked On Cubs show that is just absolutely outstanding. Uh, we have three games today. Boston's a uh, nine and a half point dog to the Nets. Lakers are one and a half point favorite over the Suns and the Clippers are a seven point favorite over Dallas. The Jazz, by the way, are an eight and a half point favorite over the Memphis Grizzlies. That's all at betonline.ag. All right, let me run through some of my other thoughts uh, on the game and the series moving forward. Jonas Valanciunas is a problem. He's super good and he's super active and he engages Rudy um, each and every play and there's a foul on every play, and they're going to have to call it. But more importantly, like I have not seen a lot of times where Rudy does not want to leave his man to be able to you know, go after the ball. And there were two different times where Jonas Valanciunas caused Rudy to kind of hang and not impact what one of Morant's drives, and there was another play as well. So, I mean, this is, a, this is where like Ron Boone actually wanted to rather play the... Memphis, uh, the Golden State Warriors, because of the fact that just they he, he didn't you know Valanciunas didn't cause the problems and some other things like that. So um, interesting, kind of to keep an eye on that. Um, just you know, he, it's really it's a problem. Like it's Jonas Valanciunas is a beast, is a very good player, and is a problem. Uh, Favors was fabulous. He had great lift in the game. Um, you know, Rudy was still terrific. We had a sequ- the sec- first quarter, the third quarter, second quarter. Rudy uh, threw a shutout. When Rudy was on the floor, Memphis didn't score. Um, but it's just still, it's a problem. Like, it's worth keeping an eye on. Um, and I think that's that's part of it. Uh, the other one on Rudy, they are completely committed. 
to not letting Rudy get the ball. If you go to my Twitter thread, there, there's a, I have a screenshot where there's literally two guys on the ball and two guys on Rudy. And Rudy gets four shots all night. He gets two of them in the first quarter. One of them's in transition. Um, they are ab- they're absolutely taking Rudy in every way out of out of the game. Um, and making sure he doesn't get the ball. Here's the sequence of the game that has me completely mystified. Um, and I I don't know if this was by design, if Joe got passive, if Jordan got selfish, or if Dylan Brooks just had knocked Joe out of the game. I have no idea what happens in this part of the game, but it's a it's a real mystery while watching it. So there's 753 left in the second quarter. And Mike Conley goes out of the game. And Joe Ingles is in. And Joe Ingles, on the next eight possessions, touches the ball once. Once. In the, in the, gets one front court touch in eight trips. It's off a soft, bad pass from Clarkson. He immediately swings it. Joe Ingles, in eight possessions, touches the ball for like a second. And I don't have any idea why this happened. Did Joe just get passive and checked out? Did Jordan get selfish and take every inbound pass? Did the Jazz want Jordan to have a matchup and make those plays so Joe could be a shooter? I have no idea what why that is. Uh, there's a, We get outscored by nine points in that stretch. It's Ingles... Clarkson, O'Neal, Bogdanovich, and Favors. And it's a weird sequence of basketball to watch because it wasn't us at all. It's one of the more important stretches of the game, frankly. Favors is pretty... This is where Favors ends up getting killed with the plus minus. We all criticize him for not being Rudy. He was pretty good. This is just a weird sequence. Dylan Brooks is not is on the game, on the floor... For all of it. And I he's got the assignment on Joe. And so are we playing away from Dylan Brooks? Is Joe playing away from Dylan Brooks? I don't know. Then when Mike comes back, that's where we get outscored by another 10 points to close the half. The closing four points on the Desmond Bain three and the George Niang technical are big. Uh, so, you know, at halftime, we're getting beat pretty handily. Joe is not in, in, has not been engaged in the game at this point. And the Joe's not been engaged in the game, and Jordan Clarkson's having, as I said, like one of the least good games I've ever seen him play. Like both offensively, defensively, standing up tall, getting beat defensively. He just didn't look anywhere near like the brilliant player we've seen all year long. And George Niang's missed a bunch of open looks. I thought we were fine. We open the third quarter on a 7-0 run. I, I, I literally have it in my notes. I'm stunned this falls apart. Um, it, I, 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 the only thing that then happens is Memphis goes to a what I call a squeeze, pick, and roll. And it, it's a V. They come up in a V. Two guys set a V. The ball handler's on the top. The V is open to the ball handler. So put your fingers, put your hands, like put the bottom of your palms together 
in a V. That's the two big guys in a pick. And the ball handlers at the open, like looking like they're going to be eaten by the Pac-Man. And then John Morant went off one side or the other, and the Jazz could not stop it. I think they scored on five of five trips on that play. Uh, and they ran it in different variations. And it's frankly, it's a, it's a variation. It's Taylor Jenkins, who was Quinn Snyder's intern, running a play that uh, the Celtics ran for a long time when they had both Blake and DeAndre Jordan, which I used to love. And then the Jazz actually ran it for a long time with Favors and Gobert, and then they would run Smalls off it. The Jazz have kind of spread it back out to off their horn set, where they run now a big and a small off horns and do it in that fashion, rather than what I would call the squeeze pick and roll. It's not, I don't think that's what it's called, but that's, and and they that swung the game. That was a, that was a huge moment. The Jazz didn't get stops on that. And that's where, and then Dylan Brooks gets hot. And that's where the Jazz just don't have enough. And then Boyan goes crazy and gets us back in the game in a, in a very impressive, you know, fight back. And that, it's a little reminiscent of that game seven against Denver where the fight happens just, oh my gosh, it's not going to happen any other way. And, and then, uh, you know, they, they, they fight through it. So um, it, interesting kind of rewatch of the game. Um, the th- I, I it doesn't leave me like, oh, dear God, Memphis has some answer. Uh, their defensive strategy is really good. Like, Taylor Jenkins is a great coach, and he's 36 years old. He came, first job was as an intern for Quinn and the coffee shops of Austin, and he's worked his way up, and he had a great game plan. Um, and you'll see on the pictures that I show on the Twitter thread, like, they're just they're, they're sucking the Jazz down to the baseline early, but the Jazz made – a nice adjustment and nice in-game adjustment so that that wasn't happening to them again. We talked about, so I thought, you know, again, I, Oh, okay. That's good. The jazz, um, you know, make a nice adjustment to open up the third quarter and they get a bunch of really good looks. And, you know, they only got three possessions in the third quarter before Conley goes out of the game with three fouls. Two of them are wide open three point looks. Like it feels like, okay, they've made inroads and then Conley goes out of the game and then Gobert goes out of the game. Um, there, there are three different times during the game where it feels to me like the Jazz are about to get rolling and then something happens, whether it was the foul trouble or whether it was just kind of a weird, a misplay or a, a no-pass possession. Um, and, and, you know, frankly, the Jazz did a pretty good job of re-watching the game, of keeping Memphis out of transition. So there's a ton of pieces in here that are correct for the Jazz. I think we saw inroads. I think there was a rustiness aspect to it, but to the Grizzlies' credit, they should have been tired, and they didn't show that at all. So pretty awesome performance by Memphis. Pretty incredible performance by Dylan Brooks, who took the game to the Jazz and absolutely, um, you know, I thought dictated the game by who he was defending and whether he took them out of the game and the Jazz are going to have to find a way to not let that happen. But also, um, if, in fact, you have Donovan Mitchell back and Dylan Brooks decides to face guard, then Donovan Mitchell goes and plays on an open floor going one-on-one and beating guys with probably not a lot of difficulty. And Valanchunas doesn't cause Donovan as many problems because Donovan's shifty and Valanchunas is not. Royce O'Neal, Joe Ingles, straight-line drivers have a harder time with Valanchunas because he's so big, he takes up space. But when you're shifty, it bothers them a little less. All right, that's my take and my breakdown from watching it. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, This is Locked on Jazz. If you could, tell a few friends about the show. Let's see how high we can get on iTunes charts right now. That would be great. Um, 
and tell some friends about the show so you have smart people to talk about, talk to during the playoffs. Uh, tomorrow we'll do Sean Coleman, Locked on Grizzlies. We'll have a crossover edition getting ready for game two. Thanks very much for tuning in. This is Locked on Jazz, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Tell your smart device to listen to the most recent episode of podcast Locked on Today.